Hello, my name is Michael Garrick, and this is Popping Culture. My guest today is comedian, um, home inspector, and the co-host of the Home Pros radio show, Tommy Donovan. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to be here. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, like, I say Tommy's a very funny comedian. If you live in the North Carolina area or South Carolina area, make sure you check him out. Thank you. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the topic you chose was the news and how it's influenced pop culture. Yes. But before we get into that, uh, I like whenever I have a comedian on, I like to ask. Um, a lot of people like to focus on bombing, but I'm more focused on seceding. Yes. So when was the first time you killed and how did it feel? The first time I killed. Really good question. That's a real good question. The first time I really felt like, wow, this is what it feels like, was um, when we did a Halloween show. At the, it was open mic at the Comedy Zone, and people were wearing costumes and all this stuff and, and doing their own thing. And, uh, and I didn't go up in a costume, but I did. Uh, I got a Captain America mask. And if you're familiar with comic book fans out there, uh, if, if you know um, Captain America's mask, it is the opposite of a COVID mask, right? It covers everything but your nose and your mouth. So I got up there on stage with just the Captain America mask on that I stole from my son's bedroom. And I was like, and I was like doing a bit about how like, well, I, I like going to the grocery. People like to give me crap about we're not wearing a mask. So I went, I'm wearing my mask today at the grocery store and I had the mask on and I had some lady who came up to me and was like, Hey, you need to wear a mask. I'm like, I have a mask on. Were you crazy? You know, see? And then I guess the visual of me having it on and then telling the story. And then I told this other story about how I haven't had this mask on since I did a presentation at my kid's school where we, um, where, um, they wanted me to do something where a motivational speech on how to accept your challenges. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of what we're going to be talking about today a little bit about accepting who you are and maybe your defaults and use them as strengths. Well, um, I did a um, little bit about how I was captain. Well, the bit is that, uh, I was doing a presentation for the kids about a superhero who was OCD Right, so he used his extreme pursuit of perfection to uh, battle crime, and I called him Captain Anal. So of course, there's the A, and then I'm acting it out on stage, and it was one of those moments where I think a, a switch went off. I was so into acting out the bit that I wasn't focused on: Are they laughing? Do they think it's funny? What are the people in the front row? What are their expressions? I was just doing it, and the laughter was just coming, and it was just flowing out of me. And I think there's that moment as a comic where you finally – I'm pretty sure a musician goes through that too when you know they, they really do a popular song, and it's just coming out of them, and you're, you're connected with the audience. And there's not – I think it was that moment. It was around Halloween back in October. Another thing, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't want to talk about it, but I, I would love if people, just so they can get to know you, when did, how much did you like being a mascot? Oh, yeah. So Mike's referring to, Michael's referring to the fact that when I was in college, I was cocky for the University of South Carolina, and, uh, and I was um, for, I guess, I spent my freshman year. I, I can back it up a little bit and kind of tell you how I got fell into this. It was a situation where I had a really good friend of mine from Seneca High School. Okay. Here we are at freshman at USC looking for things to do. And he's like, hey, you want to try out for cheerleading? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I knew he was a little feminine, but. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. <laughs> and we were like best friends. And, uh, and I was like, so I asked my older sister who went to Clemson. I kind of mentioned it to her. And uh, she goes, oh, my God, you need to try out. If you're going to – why don't you do that? Because, you know, she, she was she was like, those are the those are the most popular folks in school. I mean, if you're on the cheerleading squad, everyone wants to get to know you and all that stuff. So I was like, me being a um, – you know, no, no, uh, never one to shy away from a, any spotlight. I was like, okay, so I did. So I tried out, and uh, my friend Jason, who is now he's a he's a touring opera singer now. Hopefully, he'll get a chance to hear this one day. But uh, he was the one who encouraged me to do this, and he was also skilled in athletics. He could tumble. You know, I never done any of that stuff. So I um. I tried out, spent a semester being a absolutely horrible cheerleader. <laughs> okay. And then the spring came around, and it was time uh, for the school to find a new mascot, okay. for a new cocky for USC. And uh, the cheerleading coach was like, hey, Bill, his name is Bill Boggs. He was like, hey, why don't you try out for cocky? I think you'd be great. And I was like, so what are you trying to say? I suck at being a cheerleader. You go ahead and say it. <laughs> that sort of thing. But then uh, there was a part of me that had always wanted to do that. Um, now this sounds cliche, but it is true. Filling the filling cocky shoes at that day and time was a big deal. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's. I don't know. I don't know why I'm laughing. But because uh, up until that point, cocky had been a professional that they had hired to go out and do all the games and all that stuff. And <laughs> back in like 1986, he won the collegiate national championship for mascots. So for me, I was like, oh, that's all. Those are big shoes to fill, if you will. That's a real and, thing. Uh, huh? That's re- you it is a real oh, thing. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. it is a real, a lot of people don't know about it, but there's a, there's an actual, a national championship. And so I took on the job and I was, and I've always been one. Whenever I take anything on, I've always been one to go, you know what, if I'm going to achieve, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to take it as far as I can. So I immediately started thinking, well, I want to win a national championship. So I went and learned how to do as much. I went and learned sign language, learned how to communicate without speaking. Um, uh, uh, I was actually uh, telling the story to Katrina um before the podcast about just down the road across from the va hospital here there used to be a fabric store and i I went and hired a seamstress to teach me how to sew so i can make costumes for them and do all that stuff i took it to the nines and uh and two years into it i won the national championship in 95 oh wow congratulations okay wow yeah i was the mascot national championship champion then and uh, and I loved it. It was it was great. It was a lot of responsibility. It was a lot of back then. There was only nowadays, uh, even at USC, they'll have like three or four cockies running around, covering everywhere you needed to go. But at the time, it was just me. So I had to be at just about every volleyball game, every swim meet, every um, um, special appearances at hospitals and schools. Whenever someone was asking for cocky to be somewhere, I had to go. It was me. So it was, it was a challenge, but, uh, at the same time, it was a, it was a labor of love. So I really enjoyed it. Did it ever affect your grades? No, it okay. didn't mainly because I was a journalism student. It was an easy major. 
Okay. No, no. Uh, I was I was also very disciplined in that way. I was disciplined in a way that I think I don't know if I am now. I don't know what it was. I was just determined. I mean, I'm not a morning person, but for some reason, I would get up every morning at six, go down to the um, to the gym and work out, and then be in class by eight or nine, depending on the day, and be done at noon. And then I'd have the rest of the day to, to take on all the other responsibilities that I had to do. So nice. I was just driven. Nice, man. Well, congratulations. You definitely yeah. sound like you deserve it, man. Congratulate 1995 mascot. Yeah. Champion. Nice. Man. And then what happened is 96, I was graduating, yeah. and then the Panthers uh, were awarded the franchise in Charlotte, and I immediately was like, dude, this is like, this is perfect. Yeah. So then I actually uh, sent letter after letter to Jerry Richardson and eventually got in, got my foot in the door for a tryout and ended up getting that job and was the first surper and did that for a number of years before going, maybe I should get a real job. Wait, so, oh, so his nickname is Sir Purr? His name is, yeah, Sir Purr. My boss thought of that name. Okay. Um, I guess it wasn't would. my first choice, but... Yeah. I guess Panther would be copyrighted. Like that copyrighted would be too. It'd be yeah. too hard. Well, we kept thinking of all kinds of really cool names that you could give a mascot, a Black Panther mascot. I like Pounce, but uh, let's see. I think it was Georgia State's mascot was Pounce. Okay, I was thinking, that's good. That would have been perfect. There was a there was Blitz, and that was also taken by another Georgia, right? You know, that's uh, he's Harry. Okay. That's another thing that I loved. You're asking me if I love being a mascot. Probably the coolest thing that I got to do as a college mascot is in college you travel. Like when I was at the Panthers, I would only mascot the home games. But um, in college, they take you everywhere. So I went to all the home away, home football games, the away football games. Didn't go to away basketball games because there were so many of them. Yeah. But we went like uh, to the big stuff. So like uh, I was my wife and I. My wife was a cheerleader at USC. That's how we met. So it's one of the things we love to be able to say is we were there on the sidelines at USC's first bowl win, nice. which was down in uh, what was Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. For the Carquez Bowl. Wow. But uh, we got to do a lot of things like that. And another thing I got to do a lot of, mascots are a lot like comedians. There's like a brotherhood. You kind of okay. get to know each other. You kind of you share bits. You, you throw ideas, bounce ideas off of each other and stuff. And, um, and I spent three years getting to know all the other mascots in the country. Um, I spent summers uh, teaching mascot and cheerleading camps with the likes of Brutus the Buckeye and uh, – <laughs> And the UCLA Bruin and, you know, all these other mascots around the country. Uh, befriended a, a couple of them that went on to also um, go on professionally as well and got to know each other and, and keep in touch on the nice. professional level. It was interesting. Nice. Well, let's get so, y'all stuff there, together. There are a lot of parallels between mascotting and com comedy. Nice. Uh, the, the biggest difference, though, is with mascotting, this is kind of funny, is with mascotting, you're making people laugh and you're entertaining people with everything but your voice because you're not supposed to talk. Uh, <laughs> True. That is an important part. Yeah, because otherwise you break the, the character. But with stand-up comedy, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Right? You're up there and it's all about what you say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. So. But thank you for sharing that, man. And um, Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Um, but to get to the topic, you chose news and how the news has influenced pop culture. Yes. Any special reason why you chose it? Uh, one of the reasons why, well, actually, um, when you asked me to do the podcast, you said, all right, pick a, 
pick a pop culture item and pick a movie to review. Yeah. Well, the first thing that popped in my head is the movie that I'd like to review. And then I started thinking I wrestled a lot with a pop culture item because uh, part of me feels like uh, I don't know. I can When I think of pop culture, I think of things like hula hoops. Um, <laughs> um, Cabbage Patch Kids, you know, things like, uh, you know, things that people find, Tickle Me Elmo from back in the 90s, you know, things that, 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 that pop in people's heads that everybody, you know, flock toward, that, that, that influenced our culture in one way or another. Um, I just, I don't feel like we have a whole lot of that anymore. Um, with the advent of the internet and you know social media and things like that, I think there's so much. And this is I'm not. Don't take me wrong. I'm not trying to be preachy here. This is just I guess my take on everything. I'm not. I'm not trying to be political and I'm not trying to be critical either. But it's just the. I think the way the world has worked out. I remember days when I was a kid where we'd have like we don't have appointment TV anymore. What I mean by that is. There was a time in the 70s when Monday Night Football was all the rage. People would make an appointment to sit down in front of the TV and watch the Monday Night Football game of the week. And it was a huge thing. And it was all of the water cooler talk the next day at work. Same thing in the late 70s, the advent of Saturday Night Live. That's another pop culture icon that uh, just struck everybody's interest and everyone was talking about it all at once. Um, in the 80s, you had sitcoms like uh, um, some of my favorites that I remember were The Cosby Show, Family Ties, things like that, that people would watch every week. We don't really have that as much anymore. TV's changed a lot. Um, movies have changed a lot. There's so many ways, opportunities for us to watch movies, whether it's streaming at home or going to the theaters or whatever. Um, there's very little, I feel like that all of us have in common, um, except maybe social media has affected us a lot. That was another thing that I was thinking of that, uh, that would be worthy of having a discussion about. But I think the biggest thing for me that I've seen change is the news being a journalism major at USC back in the nineties. I know one of the things that was was driven into our heads, you know, if you're a reporter and you're going out there to do a story, you better make darn sure that uh, you have your facts straight, that uh, you've checked your sources, and that you're not making any mistakes. Because if you get out there and you report the wrong information, you're going to get sued and your career will be over. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. No matter what side of the aisle you lean, whether you lean right or lean left, I think the biggest um, thing that's affected our culture in the last 20 years is how the news has turned. It used to be the news would be something that we would watch um, to determine what we need to think about what's going on in the world. Now I feel like what people tend to do, and, and this is something that I can't remember who had said this. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a news anchor who said this, so this is an original thought. What he said was, um, you know, there was a time when we would watch the news to determine what we need to think about the world. I think now we tend as a as a culture to watch the news to to uh, uh, we already think of what we we already think of what we we already know what we think about the world. We watch whatever news influence to help justify the way we think about the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And um, 
and um, it's, it's that's one of the things more than anything else I feel is driving a wedge between people in a lot of ways. I think of when I think of this, I think of my mother-in-law. <laughs> um, she will uh, she'll watch something on the news and talk to my daughter, my my wife about it. And my wife's like, nah, I don't know if that's correct. Um, and then she'll bring her perspective. And then the response between the two of them is, well, that's what you think. And that's it. Um, there seems to be a lot less of digging down to get this, get to the source of where the truth is, as opposed to just believing your truth and believing my truth. And that we should just be okay with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand people aren't doing research. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's more it's easier to hear something that we want to hear and agree with it, and and say that that's that's the truth yeah. than it is to maybe hear or see something that we don't believe in, True. and then have to face it or believe it. And I say that it happens on you know I think people in general I think it's human nature. Yeah. So um, I know um, I grew up a Catholic, and um, it's, you know, of course, if, when it comes to the Christian faith, Catholicism tends to be probably the most one of the most conservatives. I mean, you have your your, your liberal Catholics, your progressive Catholics, and then you have your very conservative Catholics. And, you know, one of the things that I would see even in the Catholic Church on the conservative side is if somebody saw something going on in the church that they didn't quite agree with or wasn't right, they would rather just put their blinders on and pretend like it wasn't happening as opposed to actually doing something about it or speaking up about it. And I think that's one of the things that's happening a lot in our culture. Especially with the cancel culture, it's easier to just say nothing than it is to challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like people, something. if that's been proven throughout the time, people that say nothing, like they definitely ended up being successful. Now it came out that they were said nothing, and now it's definitely not working in their favor. But there's yeah, been a lot of people that like, they're like, well, I, I, I'm not sure that happened. Maybe I saw it and kept riding that wave till they got to the top. But that, you know, yeah. But have you noticed though? And let me ask you this: Have you noticed that the folks who who do keep quiet and just play along, go along to get along, get along to go along, or whatever, however you say it. Um, I would all also agree that those are the people who, when they do reach the top or re- reach where they're trying to go, they're also easier to tear down yeah. for the media. Yeah, of course. If you got that many sh- um, skeletons you- in your closet, you one has to peek out. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. if I, I would say that if you're if you're not honest along the way and you rely on things like the media or the news to prop you up, what's the first thing? And this is the other thing: the you know, way the news influences pop culture as a culture in general is. It one interesting phenomenon I've noticed about the news is they're so interested in the uh the stories propping up people who are trying to um overcome a challenge and trying to get to the top they're very interested in um promoting the underdog but once that underdog gets there and becomes successful who's standing there first in line ready to tear them down 
The news. To the news. news. They are, I mean, the news has always been about ratings. I'm pretty sure in journalism, they exactly. They, they, that was yes. one of the biggest things. If you're not getting clicks, you're not getting money. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you consider tabloids as news? I don't, but I didn't know if you, in your profession, if they did. I didn't, and I and I never have. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, uh, there was still even even network news was very well respected, and then you had your tabloid news, which would be if you're talking about say. TV, you'd be thinking like the Entertainment Tonight's and uh, yeah. you know extra and those types of shows. Because I'm sure they get paid extra money by different people to be like put them on my show. When it comes to news, yeah. I don't think. I mean, of course, sponsorship is sponsorship, but I can't imagine somebody paying like WIS like put this on the news for bl- such money. You know? Yeah, yeah. And see, when I was in college, I was an intern at WIS. Really? Yeah. And uh, write a book, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I enjoyed that. They were very well respected. Um, at the time, and uh, at least in my eyes, and um, I remember at the time I liked WIS. You would have in every if you ever if you watch carefully, no matter what broadcasting um, market that you're in, there's always like one middle of the road news news. Um, it, it really is yeah. a reflection of the news director, but there's one middle of the road news station, and there's always one that's kind of more sensational. Yeah. At the time, it was um, WIS and WLTX, which actually is right down the road from yep. here, um, was the one that I couldn't watch because they were always sensationalizing things. Okay. They the two of them would cover the same story, and uh, and and it may have changed. Gosh, this was what twenty plus years ago, but I just always felt that. WLTX was always like uh, they couldn't just cover, you know, a you know a bank robbery. It was always like they were dramatizing it much more than they needed to. Rather than just cover the facts, they were like trying to reel the listener in or the viewer in. Did more it work so in the long game? To. I don't know if it ever did because I don't know where the ratings are at the time. Okay. And I think the reason why they're at the time um, the number one station in the market was uh, WIS. I don't know where it is now, okay. but uh, I think that was their attempt to try to win over viewership and to get attention. And then WOLO was kind of uh, number three in the market at the time. And never heard it's of the them. ABC station. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then I moved to Charlotte, and it was the same kind of thing. WBTV. Was the CB is the CBS affiliate there, and I felt like wow they've they've got their act together, and it was um, oh what what's the other station oh, I forget it wasn't the um, it was the it was the ABC station there God I can't remember the call letters but uh, they were always I felt like they were sensationalizing things so anyway um, I th- I think the news media over time has actually gone in the direction of that sensationalizing things. It's like, what do the viewers want to hear? Um, and, and I think you, you lose some, um, trust and, uh, I, I'd say more so, um, integrity along the way. Yes. It's kind of like. just like one in the bandwagon, not just one in like a loyal team. Like, like if you go equal, like straight up the road, like in the middle, you would hopefully gain both, or you would just want people that want the truth. But if you just lean on one side or the other, it really shows being biased. Yes. yes. Yeah. When it comes to the social media aspect, because a lot of news outlets use social media now, do you think just the fact that like everything's updated so regularly that it helps, or do you feel like it hurts? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I think it hurts. Okay. In, in many ways, the news cycle has changed a lot. Um, there's a lot that's thrown out there. I mean, think about. Um, I would probably, I would probably say, and I don't, I don't have any facts to prove this, but I would think most people these days get their news from the homepage on their computer when they get on the internet, whether it's, whether it's MSN or Yahoo, whatever comes up on their computer. Look at all the stories that just pop up right there on that one homepage, and there's so much clickbait, and um, you know, <laughs> there it used to be. This again, going back to the '80s, you go, you get home from work, and then there was the six o'clock news, the national news, three TV stations sharing those stories, and it was in a thirty-minute broadcast. You only have so much room for stories. Now it's now we have news networks that are giving us the news constantly, and what are they always doing? Every hour, every thirty minutes. Oh, we have a news alert or we have a news update and it's always something that they're trying to grab your attention with to reel you in so you don't go away. And it's usually something that is not really um, intensely newsworthy. Um, and I think what happens is, is in their attempts to sensationalize or intensify the importance of whatever it is they're reporting, I think in some ways it does a disservice to the viewer or the listener because they're thinking that this is much more earth shattering than it probably really is. Does that make sense? I'm totally, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Like, they, they definitely are. News has definitely changed just in my lifetime. I'm 29, but yeah, I've seen it change in my lifetime. Focus on something that's very serious that happened. Um, I didn't even know you were a journalist major. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel way better asking these questions now. Yeah. When it came to how they handled nine 11, uh, from a journalist's uh, point of view, do you feel like the news handled it perfect, or do you feel like at that time period people were still trying to, like, they weren't looking at it as a tragic event. They were trying to look at it more like, all right, we can get eyes on our eyes on our channel. That's a good question. Um, I was, I was like, nine, so I can't, I can't help you with this at all, answer this at all. I rem- what I remember the way, because I was glued. I was actually working in a newspaper. The day that happened, I was working for the Greenville, not for the Green. I was an independent contractor working at the Greenville News in Greenville. Um, and I worked in the classifieds department, so I wasn't in the news department. Um, but I remember getting up that morning when it happened um, and seeing it was we had the Today Show on the first plane hit the tower. Well, we didn't see the plane hit the tower. We just saw the smoke. You know, Everyone knows the story. It was the second plane that we actually saw and went, what's going on? Um, I feel like at the time, the news was much better at actually reporting, y'all, this is what's happening. Um, We're going to bring you as much information as we can before, uh, you know, as, as, as we discover it. I feel like if something, my concern would be if something like that were to happen today, I hope this wouldn't happen, but it seems like the mentality of the news media and our culture is that if something like that were to happen today, uh, the, I think we've been conditioned because of the way the news has been reporting incidents over the past 10 years or so is to start immediately asking questions regarding, all right, who's responsible? Who was it? 
all right what, what who who did it and uh where are they from all right are they do they do they support the right side or the left are they blue or are they red you know that sort of thing rather than you know focusing on what really happened it was an interesting time to be in america at the time um that 9-11 happened because when it happened it was almost as if it didn't matter all those all those silly things that we tend to argue about now didn't matter um it was like somebody attacked our country oh yeah something else to hate what are we going to do now yeah um what are we going to do about it i mean we need to it was the closest thing that I can think of what it must have been like to be an American when Pearl Harbor happened. Um, but, uh, you know, it's in, in many ways, it was, it was, it kind of made you proud. At least it made me because I felt like everyone was like, wow, this is horrible. Somebody attacked us. And it was almost as if our country was united. It, we were, we were united for at least a, a while. Yeah. I, it, I, I grew up with one. So like, you know, it, it's, I don't want to get into the religion, but I just remember like, you're, you're right. Like people were nicer. Like, like in retrospect, like if, when I used to have to go to doors with my mom, somebody like that was one of the few, that was, I remember that week in particular, people definitely were like, yeah, yeah. I want to know more about the Bible. Please uh, open the door. And uh, I just remember that being like the only clear thing that I can remember from that week. Cause I was in elementary. So I don't, you had a child at that point. I did. And well, let's see. My daughter was born. See, that was September 11th. No, I didn't. My daughter wasn't born yet. Okay, never mind. So that was September 11th, 2001. My my daughter, my oldest, was born um, December 22nd, 2001. Okay, cool. So we were about to have a kid. Okay, so yeah. So, I mean, my mind was obviously thinking about bigger things than just me at that time. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a. You don't, yeah. But you know, there, there's a there's a priest that said to me. Um, um, well, he he said in, he said one time. He, I found I've always found this interesting. He said uh, to me, um, "Ask any priest, Catholic priest, and I'd be interested to see see how pastors feel about this too, because I bet they would agree. They would much rather if they had the option of." Um, uh, performing a wedding or performing a funeral. In most cases, they prefer to perf- perform a funeral service. And the reason why is because, well, in, 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 in the context of what is a tragedy as opposed to a celebration, there are more people at the funeral who have their mind on God as opposed to the celebration, which would be the wedding, when they're thinking about, hey, where's the reception? Is there going to be an open bar? You know, everyone's focusing on, you know, there there isn't as much of a focus on the, the big stuff, the important things in life, if you will, as, a, as compared to, you know, the funeral experience when people are really going, you know, asking even themselves, who am I? Uh, what will people think of me when I die? Uh, what's going to happen to me now? And, and there was a lot of that in the United States at the time September 11th happened. You're 100% right on that because you go to a funeral, it's like, man, I miss my friend. This could happen. This, you think about how quick life you know, can come go by. And then when it comes to weddings, it's like, man, fuck, I got to waste my Saturday. 
yeah. Uh, let me get this toaster and I guess uh, try to do the two step and yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can get out of here. So, yeah, um, but you're totally right. Um, news outlets in general. Um, is it true there's really only two big news outlets, and you, or is it more? Well, now there are a whole lot more. The way I see it is, okay. uh, no, I mean like two big channels. Like it's different news outlets, but it's all ran by two different companies. I guess. Uh, no, well, no, I would say not so much. Okay. You, well, see, it used to be you'd have ABC, CBS, NBC as far as the media companies, or at least the yeah, the, the networks. Three, yes. Right, and and of course, with the advent of cable TV, now we've got CNN. Well, MSNBC is owned by NBC. Yeah. Um, um, and then you've got, you know, um, uh, Fox News, and uh, you've got, what was it, um, One America, and you, and then you've got BBC, and you know, there are all kinds of outlets out there now. There's so many choices, and I think that's why the media has turned into something where uh, rather than having a resource to look toward to find out what we need to think about the world today because we have all these choices we're free and clear to pick the one that agrees most with what we want to interpret the world as being okay Does that makes sense yeah it's in in, in in again i see a parallel to religion yeah. right i think religions um gotten to be to the point where it's like um you know when when jesus for the christians out there when jesus was on the earth he would preach to the people around him, and there was one church that was created after him um, being crucified. But uh, over time, what ended up happening is then you, you branch off and you get the Lutheran church, and then you get the Baptist church and the Presbyterian church and all these others that break off of what originally was the Catholic church. Um, and what it is is humans turning God into something that they want to believe him to be. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And then I feel like that's what we're doing with the news. It's, this is what's going on in the world. Going back to my mom, going back to my mother-in-law, she, she would rather find the Whoopi Goldberg or the Joy Behar who believes in what she believes in, as opposed to going, all right, let's really think about this. Let's look at all angles. Let's look at all parts of the, uh, of the, of the argument to see what my own opinion should be. Nice, nice. Is it, and you don't answer, you don't have to answer this question, but where would you tell people, hey, don't go there to find your news? Ooh. I, I would say podcasts in general. Like, there's, a, I've seen a few news podcasts. I'm just like, this is not. Well, yeah, and I would say, yes. You know, I, I make a joke about podcasts. You've got a podcast, I've got a podcast, and I'm like, opinions are like podcasts. Yeah. Or, you know, everyone's got one. Exactly. The same thing with, you know, what they say about assholes. Everyone's got one. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, podcasts, um, the internet, that's the worst place. Because anybody can put anything out there, just like with the podcasts. Yeah, I learned that with Yahoo. I was big on, like, looking at Yahoo News. And don't get me wrong, some, some things they, they're spot on. But then I, it was like a few articles I started like doing my own research. And I was like, no, that, that is not what happened at all. This is, I like, you, you literally took like the first three sentences of what really happened and just added other stuff. Like, yeah, and it really, it frustrates me because of the way I was trained when I was a journalism major. And my, my daughter is now a journalism major at the University of South Carolina. And she about shot me when we were... <laughs> We were going through a tour. This was back last spring. 
we're going through the tour of the journalism school. And um, it was funny because our tour guide was like, hey, wait a minute. She kind of looks around the corner and she's like, I think the dean might even be in his office. How about I knock on his door? Maybe he can come out and introduce himself to you. And we're like, cool, great, yeah. So she goes in, gets the dean. The dean comes out, does this big sales pitch. This is why you need to go to USC, be a journalism student and all that. Anybody have any questions? I was like, I do. (laughs) And my daughter's like hand is buried in her face is buried in her hand and i'm like i have a question uh, when i was a student here and i kind of said the same thing you know it was we were told that uh, stick to the facts uh, you know report the truth check your sources or your career could be at stake that doesn't seem to be the case these days i was a student afraid to get a job as a news reporter because i didn't want to be held liable for making a mistake now it seems like everyone's out there just saying whatever they want with no repercussions. What is your opinion on that? And he was like, uh, and he gave me the typical, well, there are bad apples in every bunch and you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, um, I didn't really get a satisfactory answer in my opinion. And it was funny too. Cause after he left, all the parents came over to me and were just like, so tell me more about, um, so you were a student here and it, it is, is it really that different and all that? And I'm like, yeah, well, and, uh, unfortunately it is. And that's frustrating. And I try to tell you to, to also to add to your question about like, where would you tell people not to look for news as a father who has influential kids I'm at a point in my life where they're not going to believe everything I say anymore. The cool thing about having little kids is you can tell them anything and they're like, well, dad said it, but now they're, they question me. So now my job is to point them in the direction of, Hey, don't, don't look at me. I got it from X, Y, or Z. And what I tell them is you can go to your sources that you prefer to check, but I, this day and age, you've got to check and double check and triple check to make sure that you're getting the information because it's it's scary. I mean, yeah. I, I watch this. I watch the sources that I believe that I trust. But then there are those moments where I'm like, wait a second. And, and I have to cross reference it with, you know, this reporter or that reporter or you know that pundit so I can come up with an opinion of myself there's there's one um um host who interviewed somebody on his show about um the transgender bill that was denied in their state and uh and he was um really raking that person across the coals for uh veto in that bill and um and usually i agree with everything he says and he was really riding this politician for not really um following through with what he thought she should have done and and i was like wait a minute that doesn't sound right so when that flag pops up that's your cue to go all right well i appreciate your opinion let me go over here and look and then the other sources that i checked were more so in line with what i thought not that i was looking for validation but it, it's one of those things where you just got to you got to put the pieces of the puzzle together yeah i've, I've learned now when it comes to news if they only hit two plot point like if they only hit two lines like well this bill says this and this and then i finally see a picture of the bill and it's like this long it's like <laughs> hey uh i feel like uh he might have said no to a lot more that we don't know about like 
Yeah. Like you, I, you mean it took them 10,000 pages just to say this and this? Yeah. Like, There's I don't, some more to it. I mean, I, I agree that, that those two things are fine. But if I kept reading and I was like, oh, we all have to stay in our house for a year? Like, no, uh, no, let's not, uh, let's not prove that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, thank you for coming on to the show. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add about the news? No, not really. Um, it's just, you know, one of those things where if I think we would all be in a better place if we could just be open to checking our resources, cross-referencing things. I think we'd all be more comfortable with where we sit in, in the world. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times when people get frustrated or angry when um, – debates about newsworthy types of things happen is when they don't open their minds up to understanding the big picture and uh and that kind of goes into the uh, <laughs> the movie uh the, the 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 movie critique that i came up with so nice. you know i tried to come up with something that goes hand in hand with that so hopefully nice. that helps that's gonna be awesome man yeah um is there anything you want to say to your fans oh uh thanks for being my fans first of all i appreciate it and uh <laughs> and um you know it's a pleasure to to either they're as a budding comedian um or comic it's great to have the opportunity to do things with michael because i think he and i see things kind of at the same level when it comes to comedy and uh you know, I highly recommend him, and hopefully we'll get to do a lot of shows together. You can come out and see us do. Definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they follow you on social media? Social media, I've got a couple of pl- uh, places. I haven't really talked about the podcast that I do. It's uh, the Home Pros Radio Show. I, as a home inspector, I started a podcast and a radio show that talks about home improvement, and what we do is uh, we do a lot of uh, inf- informational things that help homeowners understand how to take care of their homes. Um, but we also do it with a little bit of fun and, uh, that's, that's where the comedy kind of, we get a little bit of that in there. And, um, so you can find me at, uh, um, all the social media outlets at home pros radios where you can find that podcast. You can also find me. I've just started my own comedy, social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, and all that, which is Tommy D comedy. Uh, which my daughter thought of, and I was pretty proud of her. I yeah, never put two of those together, but uh, it worked out. So uh, Tommy D, I think on Instagram, I'm like TommyD.comedy. That's where you can find me there as well. Nice. Yeah, guys, definitely check out the podcast. They drop a lot of gems. You guys really do drop a lot of gems <laughs> on the podcast. And uh, definitely check them out. And Yeah, and we're also on YouTube. You can find our live stream of our show every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. You can watch us live. You can call into the show. And uh, you can find our um, our YouTube channel where we have a lot of those clips that you are mentioning. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and have an amazing day. Mm-hmm.